back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. As fast you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, and, dude, it, it just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. What's going on, guys? Greg DePalma here with the Bash University. Uh, I'm hosting the show today. Pete Galuzak is on a top-secret mission. Uh, top-secret. That we're actually going to be probably hearing about in about a month or two, so I'm pretty excited to announce some special things coming down the pipeline. Uh, but as always, a great show. Started on time today. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we were almost started on time. Yeah, Al- no, it almost. Was, it was good. It went really <laughs> smooth at first, and then it kind of hit a, a little bump. But Yeah, uh, we knew we were too prepared. It was that, too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> it was, as always, as, as fishing is anyway. Um, so today, guys, we have Brandon Lester. Uh, I'm going to say dominated because he won by six pounds on Pickwick last week. Right. And, you know, I was at that event. It was a really tough uh, event, basically. The fishing was really tough. Uh, pretty much, Brandon's got a pretty cool story about it. He dominated the event. He probably he probably only needed you know two hours total. It was a half hour every day of the event. He did all of his damage in the morning and was done pretty much. Pretty wild. Uh, so that's going to be really good. We're going to break down everything as far as ledge fishing with Brandon, uh, who lives in Tennessee, who has done a ton of it. We're going to learn a ton of stuff from him. As always, joined by Riz. Yo. And we have Joslyn also doing the IM board. That's right. Uh, Riz, what do we got for giveaways today? Yeah, so uh, as always, we got some awesome prizes going out the door. Uh, today's grand prize is going to be a TH Marine rocker light kit. Uh, that's an awesome little item there. Lights up your bass boat, uh, any kind of boat. Um, allows you to tie stuff up while the sun's not up yet. It's a super cool item there. Values at like two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. More than that. Is that what I'm saying, Joss? Is that a yeah three hundred fifty dollars, guys? Um, that's the grand prize today. And to get access to that grand prize trivia that we're gonna do, you got to be a Bash UTV subscriber. Uh, right now is a great time to get signed up. You can sign up annually and take advantage of the Frog Days of Summer promotion going on right now. Uh, that's a Terminator Frog. And a camo hat. Uh, just for signing up for Bash UTV, you get the whole year. Uh, take that bass fishing to the next level. As always, also, we are doing a Facebook like and share. So if you're watching over there on the Facebook airwaves, like and share tonight's show or today's show. I'm still getting used to that. Today, <laughs> tonight, night, day. Um, and uh, you're going to be entered in for a chance to win a six-month Bash University TV subscription, guys. So um now's a great time let's get involved in the program uh sign up annually if you would just want to try it out 30 days for free use the code BULive30 uh that'll get you unlimited access to the whole program for 30 days for free um we got uh the wonderful Miss Jocelyn uh running the IM board today so we want to hear from you uh any kind of questions uh about the show you can kick them over to there um and uh it should it should be a good one greg i'm i'm excited to hear about how it went down to pick was he wire to wire no he wasn't he he did not lead the first day okay yeah 
Um, well, he did. He led the first day for the first hour. Yeah, that's I, for sure. I think because it think, happened quick. Yeah, it did. He he definitely got him really good. And same for myself. The morning bite was definitely key on that lake. Right. Uh, you know, I think there's a big reason for that. We'll get into that. But uh, also too, Riz, I think after Lester, you got something you want to bring up too, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some trends that are happening fishing right now, and it's not necessarily a technique or how it's going on. It's more of there's a little bit of a cancel culture type of thing going on right now, and uh, we got to talk about that a little bit. We're not gonna we're not gonna put anybody to the fire specifically, but we're gonna go in on that topic, and uh, that's another thing. We're gonna want to hear from you guys on the message board uh, about that topic, uh, which will be later in the show. So, yeah, um, this this should be a good one. I think it's gonna be a real good one. So. so. Yeah, so we'll take a quick commercial break, and we'll come right back, and we'll bring in Brandon Lester and, and dig and dive right in, guys. Awesome. Guys, get signed up during this commercial. It's a great time. Come on. Let's go. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hooks that boom goes to dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. 
all so you can make every second on the water count. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Uh, if you guys are just tuning in just now, uh, we have Brandon Lester coming on here in a minute, and we're going to go over his tremendous, his first Elite Series win on Pickwick. Uh, you know, there's kind of a trend going on, too, with Brandon. Uh, it's something we keep talking about a lot in fishing, and it's the technique he used for this tournament. Uh, so we're going to get into that. Uh, besides that, Giles, have we got any sponsors we got to thank? We do. We're actually here at Tackle Direct Studios, so yeah. we'd like to thank Tackle Direct for that. Um, speaking of Tackle Direct, if you are a Bashu member, you can go on to Tackle Direct and you get something called a chick magnet for six dollars and ninety nine cents. So it's a crankbait. It's a good one too. Yeah, it's a good. chick magnet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, if you're a member as well, you get a lot of member benefits. There's Hobie eyewear, twenty five percent off. You get missile baits, thirty. Rapple of forty percent. There's so many things out there. So don't forget to check it out. And also go check out Bass Boat for sale. They're they're always they always have new inventory. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. That's yeah, all for all price ranges too. They, I mean, you can buy a boat that's from the ten thousand all the way up to the top of the line. They yeah. got one for everybody. It, it really is a good site. Actually, my first boat I ever sold was years ago on that site, and it really? lasted like two days. Yep, yep. Good deal. How we how looking, Riz? We got Brandon ready to go. Do we? Where's he at? Here he is, there champ. He is, the champ, man. What's going on, Brandon? With no audio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good try. <laughs> He's pushing buttons. Buttons are going. We had audio there for a little bit. Oh, uh, no. That's one thing about bass fishermen. We are not good. Oh, well, you know what? That's on, that's on me, Brandon. Throw, <laughs> like I said about Riz. Put, put my feet to the fire on that one. <laughs> that, was, you on mute. that was on me. You were <laughs> muted. There he is. What's going on, <laughs> Brandon? <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, we'll get know. it figured out here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Man, I'll tell you. You're on a roll this year, dude. Two first-place finishes in your career, and they both happened this season. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's you hear guys talk about momentum, and uh, so much of this sport is about momentum and the mental side, and life is just good right now. You know, things are going good, and all that translates into your fishing. I'm, I'm trusting what I'm doing on the water, and it's it's just going good, man. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's definitely showing in your fishing. And what, one more cool thing about this event, Brandon, you entered into the Million Dollar Club at this event. Yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, as you know, this this game is very expensive. I I probably spent a million and a half to make that big. <laughs> but no, that's that's a cool club and definitely something that I mean, not a lot not a lot of guys can say they made a million bucks bass fishing. So that, I mean, that's something I'm proud of. For sure, man. That's it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's it's truly a big deal, man, for sure. And you know, finally fishing at this level, I can see how hard it actually is to get to that club. Um a couple questions for you real quick, Brandon. How far are you from Pickwick where you live? Uh so I can be to the Florence end down there at McFarland. I can be there in about an hour and a half, maybe an hour and forty five. Now the, the counts in the other end where we went out of yep. two weeks ago, uh that's about two hours and fifteen minutes from my house. But Basically, within two hours, you know, I, I can be there. Yeah. So, how how would you rate Pickwick on your scale of lakes in Tennessee? Oh man, I I would say it's one of the best yeah. for sure. Honestly, uh, of the whole TVA chain, I would say Pickwick right now is is probably my favorite. I just like how it sets up. It's got a good mix of a lot of different things. 
especially on years when it when it has the hydrilla. I'm not sure if it's going to have it this year. You know, every year it, it just depends on the floods and all that kind of thing that we get in the winter. But on the years when when there's a lot of grass and you have the grass fish and the ledge fish and there's lots of different things you can do, it's it's a phenomenal fishery. It really is. No doubt about it. You know, a lot of our viewers, Brandon, that are watching, uh, I think one thing that uh, it maybe is a confusing thing for a lot of guys that are new to ledge fishing is, you know, I think most guys think about a ledge, they think about, you know, the deep river channel and it drops into deeper water. Uh, you know, typically, you know, you can catch them that way. But a lot of times, like you did in this tournament, and the same thing I did, you were fishing a lot shallower than most guys probably did, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the kind of the little secret spot that I found that, that I had to myself was about four to five feet on top and it rolled off into about seven or eight feet. So was that still considered ledge fishing? Absolutely. You know, ledge fishing, when we talk about it, it could be a ledge, it could be a hump, it could be the tip of a point. And we just kind of refer to it as ledge fishing, but it basically just means you're fishing out off the bank, underwater structure, you know, that that's on the bottom of that river. And it, it helps the more you do it, the more you can kind of picture in your mind uh, what's going on, on on the bottom of that river. And when you can do that, you're definitely a step ahead. Yeah. So, you know, kind of explain to the viewers too. I mean, you, you obviously have a lot of experience, I'm sure, doing this. How, how like, you know, important is current a lot of times on this kind of fisheries uh, where you're doing that kind of ledge bite? Yeah, it, it definitely uh, – It'll, it'll help dial you in on, on where to look because when you think about how the current relates to all these places, what creates these hard spots and, and muscle beds and stuff that you look for on the Tennessee River is that current. When you when you figure out how that current flows, then then you know you know where to look for for those hard spots and um, you know creek mouths and places where creeks run out and hit the main river ledge and all that kind of stuff. Those are all obvious places, but, uh, yeah, current is everything. And, and actually it positions those fish. I mean, there were several places, several places on all the TBA chain where if the current's not running, they won't be there. And then all of a sudden, I mean, a lot of guys saw it at Pickwick last week, later on in the day, uh, a couple of the days, TBA would crank that water up and it would really position those fish right where they needed to be, where if you idled over it in the morning, you might not even see them. Lord only knows where they were. But then in the afternoon, when they crank that current up, they get there because they know that that's where they need to be because the baits come into that spot and they're there to feed. Yeah, so kind of with that being said, Brandon, you know, if you have a projection schedule of the water flow, which you can get on TVA site, uh, would you kind of base your practice, if you're kind of new to this, you, you really want to figure it out, would you base your practice on, like, let's say, idling a lot more during them current flows, or do you rather fish them areas, you know, more or less? Which one? I spent the majority of my practice idling, for sure. Yep. And honestly, all week I didn't pay a lot of attention to the current flow just because I've been burned on that before. A lot of times just because TVA says they're going to do something, that doesn't actually mean they're going to do it. Yep. Um, but I, I spend a ton of my time idling, and most of the time in a ledge fishing tournament, unless it's a shallow place like that that little spot that I found. But if it's a deeper place, I'll let my Lorances tell me whether they're there or not. I, I'm a guy who still pretty much idles every school before I fish for them just because I want to see how those fish are set up. If they're set up, tied in a school and tied to the bottom there's certain baits i'm gonna throw in that situation if they're real scattered then that's going to tell me a, a different 
maybe bait I'm going to throw. Or if they're sitting way up high, maybe I need to throw a swim bait and count it down and reel it through them. Okay. So, you know, as far as the three days of practice you had, I mean, was was this a spot you knew about or is this something you found the first, the second, the third day of practice? How did it go? Yeah, so I, I had spent quite a bit of time on Pickwick, and I knew a lot of the more community type holes that, that I knew a lot of guys would find the creek mouths and tips of underwater islands and things like that. I spent the first two days of practice really looking at a lot of those places and, and seeing which ones had schools of fish on them, which ones didn't. And then that third day, I, I kind of was thinking uh, after the second day of practice, I was like, I need to find something that I'm going to have to myself. I only had maybe one other spot that I thought may have some potential to have to myself. So that third day, I decided to go up there around that Natchez Trace Bridge area. Um, there's a lot of shallow bars and, and a lot of flats and, and stuff up that way. So I want to go up there and look around some. It's always a good area of the lake. A lot of big fish live in that area. So I, I go up there on, on day three, and I get up there, and I'm just idling around looking at some stuff. Um, and it, it basically was just luck, man. I was just idling. I was idling to a pretty obvious little hump that was sticking out there. And I idle past this other little bar where it comes out and makes a little tip. And I see this school of fish sitting right out on the end of that little tip, about 60 feet to my right on my side scan. Uh, and I knew immediately the way they were set up that it, it pretty much had to be bass. So that's how I found that spot. Well, wow, when you're awesome. when you're idling, are are you always looking for fish, or are you some or like do you look for the the hard spots themselves, like the bottom differences on your screens? I'm basically looking for fish. Okay. Um, because I'm this time of year, on especially on the TVA, I'm looking for schools. You know, that's what you want to find out. Some of those schools may only be five to ten fish, and some of them may be hundreds of fish. Um, but yeah, I, I run two units at the console basically and i run one unit basically just for mapping and i keep one of them on a through hole uh 2d sonar just to give me depth all the time and then i have one unit that is strictly set up for side scan and down scan all the time which shows you the fish better side scan or down scan uh down scan if the water is deeper than i would say 12 feet if okay. it's shallower than, than 12, and especially when you get shallower than 7 or 8, it's a lot easier to see them on side just because the shallower you get, the more you're going to spook them, the more apt you are to spook them before you ever get to them. If right, it, from going down, over them. Right. Downscan just doesn't have time to do its job uh, if it's too shallow. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Brandon, I, I saw some clips of you, you know, after tournament was over, and – uh it really seemed like the morning for you was key. Is it that true? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm not so sure that the spot that I was fishing wasn't still like the remnants of the shad spawn kind of a deal. I, I didn't see any shad spawn activity. They weren't chasing my bait back to the boat or anything like that. But it was that kind of a place. And I, I almost, I don't know if it's just because I went straight there every morning and that's why I caught them or if it was a timing deal because the only day i ever went back to it was the fourth day the first three days i'd just light them up first thing in the morning and then move on and i never would come back i would just let it rest and or hopefully rest and uh you know let the fish regroup day four i actually came back to it in the afternoon 
uh, and there was there was actually a local boat sitting on it. So they may have had them spooked. I don't know, but I got back up there. They they moved on and let me back up on it, and those fish were just scattered. They were not there in the afternoon. So, um, you know, I, I'll never know if it was just a morning bite, but I, I can tell you they were definitely biting first thing in the morning for sure. Yeah, I was actually fishing not too far down from you. I could see your flotilla yeah. after day two up there. Um, you know, where I was, it seemed like, you know, just just my thoughts on it, it seemed like the night before all the fish were up feeding and in the morning they were kind of still left inside that area and I caught what was ever there. And same for me, once it got, you know, 9 o'clock on, it got super tough. Uh, and then towards the end of the day, I would have another small window, it seemed like, you know, they'd pull over the current. Um, so... Pretty much. I mean, did you do all your damage on that one area, or did you kind of bounce around, you know, three to four days and, and catch some bigger fish somewhere else? Yeah, so the first day, every bit of my damage was done right there. Uh, the second day, the majority of it was, I think I made two calls later in the day off of a different spot. Um, but each day, getting off to that, that quick start, um, every day except day one, I made some calls later on in the day, but getting off to that quick start definitely freed up my day and let me look around at some different stuff. Because as you know, you know, fishing pressure and, and people idling over these fish and fishing for them, will move them around during the tournament. And I, and I knew that was going to happen. So it kind of freed me up to spend a couple of hours kind of looking at new stuff each day, new stuff that I knew had potential for a school to come to that, I, that just hadn't showed up yet. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, on day three, I, I idled over a spot where I have caught them in the past. They were not there on day one or two. One day I practiced, I saw one small school there, uh, and they showed up on day three. And I caught real, caught them really good on day three. And then day four, I caught a four-pound smallmouth and a six-pound largemouth off of that place and really just, just sealed the deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, you had a six every day, didn't you? Real close. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's pretty yeah. amazing. You know, yeah. you, you got a lot of obviously a lot of experience on these lakes. How how much harder is it getting to more or less catch fish? Because it almost seems like any more the trend that I'm seeing, man. You need a sneak hole almost every tournament nowadays because it is literally the pressure and the mapping on everything is just, you know, it's it's kind of taken over a little bit. And as far as catching fish, how we used to catch them isn't the same anymore. It has. It's it's gotten unbelievably tough. I mean, you have to pull out every trick in the book, man. You really do. And I, I mean, you guys saw I went to a spinning rod pretty quick. But I mean, that's just that's what you got to do. You, if you can't get them to bite, like the first morning, I swear you could have threw a piece of bubble gum in there and they would have <laughs> bit it. But by the third day, yep. uh, they were they were getting pretty wise to what was going on. And you know that I had to kind of finesse them with some lighter line and. And stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, those fish, uh, the thing about it is these days, man, it's not been too many years ago where fish kind of got a break this time of year a little bit. Yep. But nowadays we know where they are 365 days a year. Yep. Yeah, we could see that even back home in our small lakes. Um, you know, yep. be before we get into our actual baits, Brandon, uh, I saw an interview you did and you talked about, and this is a really cool thing. A lot of guys probably don't know this, uh, but you actually mentioned it, firing the white bass up and how important that can be to get some margin off the bite. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, something that a lot of Tennessee River guys kind of keep keep under the hat. A lot of guys don't talk about it, but it's getting to be more well-known now. Yep. They're, for, for a lot of years, people would idle over a two or 300. I mean, those white bass get in huge schools. I mean, 
two and three hundred fish or even more. Sometimes I swear there's thousands of them. But there's bass sitting right in the middle of those schools. And people say they eat the white bass, and I'm sure they do small ones. But uh, the white bass and the, the largemouth just hang out in the same kinds of places in the summertime. Those hard spots, muscle beds, typically is is where those places are. So what I'll one one of the things I'll do is take a big crankbait and just grind it through those white bass and, and it kind of causes a feeding frenzy you'll get them fired up and get them biting every cast and then you throw something more conducive to a largemouth because a white bass he won't hardly bite something unless it's going a real erratic like a real fast crankbait or something like that so you can fire them up with a crankbait then throw a worm or a drop shot or a jig or something like that in there and a lot of times you can single out those bass yeah, for sure. That's, Greg, this is two shows in a row. Well, yeah, two shows in a row. I, I can't remember if we had Nick on previous week or not, but when we had Nick Hatfield on talking about Gunnersville, yep. the same thing came up oh, about yeah. getting the white bass fired up. So that's Dude, that's you, some you, juicy stuff right there. If you think about <laughs> it, if you got if you got fifty or hundred or two hundred white bass, yeah, there's a reason why they're there. Right. You know, the bass there, obviously. So the right. largemouth are gonna be right there somewhere also. It right. makes total sense. I mean the, the thing about all this pressure, life is tight. I mean, exactly. Like they're they're all there because they want to eat. Yeah, it, you know, everything's getting tough and tough. You know, every year harder and harder. So it's like you need to figure out stuff that's going to get you the extra bites. And that was one of them tips right there. I mean, that's probably one of the best tips uh, for an offshore guy that he could ever use as far as the Bass University goes. I mean, it's a big tip, guys. Um, sure, Brandon. You know, tell us about your setup and, and what you caught him on because. What you actually caught them on, we've been hearing a lot about this recently uh, on the Bass University. So kind of t- uh, walk us through your setup as far as rod, reel, line, and the baits you were throwing, how you are doing it. Yeah, so I, a lot of, I used a lot of different baits, but I'll just go through each one of them because that's one thing about ledge fishing. you got to have a lot of different options because you're going to be facing a lot of different situations, especially over a four-day tournament. Uh, the first day I caught a lot of my fish on a big square bill, striking 4.0, uh, 15 pound, vicious, 100% fluorocarbon, uh, seven foot Mustad Instinct, my signature series rod, uh, and a seven, uh, six to one reel is what I was throwing that on. But, um, you know, like I said early in the tournament like that, they would bite that big square bill. First two days I did a lot of damage on that. Also caught some on a, um half ounce football jig it was a buckeye football mop jig fall crawl was the color i was just putting a rage crawl on the back of it uh and i, I just threw that in there just after they kind of got used to that big square bill just to, to tone it down a little bit and then when i got there on the morning of the third day it was pretty apparent that that those fish were still there i could still see them on my active target um but it was pretty apparent that they were not real active and they were getting more and more educated so i went to a nico rig uh and i did a lot of damage this week on on that nico rig i was i took a, a berkeley maxent magnum hip worm the color is called plum apple real good color on the tennessee river uh it's basically a straight tail like a mag trick worm style worm uh, i was putting a one eighth ounce must add nail weight in the head of it and then using a size two uh, must add tight next wacky Nico hook, throwing it on my six foot ten uh, medium power Mustad Instinct rod, um, and that was a huge key for me. Caught a ton of, I, I mean, I caught a six thirteen or six fourteen on that setup on day three. Um, you know, w- without that figure dialing that in and, and figuring out how to get bites, I don't know if I ever win that tournament. And then on day four, I caught 
a six pounder. Uh, everybody probably watched it on live. But I'll never forget that fish catch as long as I live. And I caught it on a three quarter ounce uh, scrounger with a five inch Castaic jerky J on it, just a, a Tennessee River staple. Uh, it mimics the thread fins and the gizzard shad and all that. But, you know, like, and also caught some on a 6XD. Um, in my opinion, that up to this point, that's probably the best ledge fishing crankbait that that we've ever seen it it just it does what it needs to do it gets down there and it grinds that bottom and that's the deal when you're ledge fishing yeah you know in your opinion why do you think the nico rig is is so good offshore is it just a finesse thing or do you think it's something more to that i think a nico rig is um so much more natural than a, a shaky head or anything like that you know what I didn't really understand it until through I threw both of them in a swimming pool, and then I, I it kind of clicked with me. I was like, okay, because uh, Anika, when you throw it in, obviously the weight's in the head, so it goes straight down to the bottom, but you're pulling from the center of the worm, so the pull point is different, mm -hmm. and it really gives that, that bait a, a pulsing action uh, that looks a lot more natural than when you pull from the actual head of the worm, which... You know, it, it, it's still a good action, and a shaky head's great, don't get me wrong. The biggest difference, and I guess how I differ differentiate between when to throw one or the other, is a shaky head will come through cover. Uh, it, we're rigging it weedless, right? Where a Nico, typically you have uh, an exposed hook. So, you know, on these clean spots, like on the Tennessee River, when I can get by with a Nico, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to throw. Okay. You know, with a Nico, do you always try to go as light as you can as far as the weight you're shoving into it, or do you have a, a way you do it? Last week, I just stuck without one eighth ounce because it, it was working good. You know, typically, if if I'm just throwing it up shallow, you know, it works really good during the spawn as well. Just going down the bank, casting it around. Typically, I'll throw a, a little bit lighter, you know, like a one thirty second or a three thirty second, maybe if it's a little bit windy, but. Uh, it just depends on the worm and the depth and the current and all that. An eighth is about as big as I'll ever go. Um, but last week, that's what worked, so I just stuck with it. Nice. I like it. Giles, have you got any questions for him? We do. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, Jim asks, do you have a preferred bait to start with on the ledge, or is it just a process of cycling through baits? Typically, when I pull up on a ledge, it's it's – sort of like you want to take the temperature of the fish you want to see what uh what, what kind of a, a mood they're in but typically i'm going to throw a moving bait first i would say 90 percent of the time i throw a crankbait first um and your more typical ledges that top out in 14 to 20 feet it's going to be that striking 660 I, I just got so much confidence caught so many big ones on the tennessee river on that bait so and I feel like when you're throwing a, a big moving bait like that, you're fishing for the biggest fish in the school, typically. Uh, it's, a, it's a good way to, to trigger those bigger-than-average fish. But um, if they're going to bite it, they'll let you know it pretty quick. Most of the time, if I make 10 casts with that crankbait and don't get a bite, I'm probably going to either pick up a swim bait um, or I'll go to something finesse pretty quick. Right on. Um, and also we have a question from Caden, uh, since you were just talking about the Nico, mm -hmm. um, do you ever <laughs> change the hook point in your Nico closer to the weight to have a more swimming like action? Uh, no, I, I typically, I go about, I would say, uh, not quite half, maybe a third of the way up the worm. 
Uh, I just find that gives me the best action. Maybe I should play around with that. I hadn't hadn't really messed around with it, to be honest with you. But uh, I don't like to go halfway up the worm, but I like to go maybe uh, about a third of the way up the worm, something like that, and hook it right in that area. And Caden also wants to know, how do you navigate the bite windows with schools of fish throughout the day? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've seen it go. I talked about firing them up with the crankbait or whatever. I've seen it go both ways. Sometimes you can throw that worm in there and get three or four of them to bite and then go back to the crankbait. Um, You know, you you have to kind of always be listening to what the fish tell you. I've been ledge fishing before and all of a sudden it's, it's dead as a hammer. And then all of a sudden here comes four or five big gizzard shad jumping out of the water. And, and it's like the bottom just erupts and all the fish just start going crazy. And then at that time, if you start seeing them, them gizzard shad jumping and fish water, it's time to throw a swim bait in there, you know? So ledge fishing is all about, there's not one certain bait or technique that you're going to take and just dominate you better have if you're going to spend a day ledge fishing you better have 10 or 12 options on the deck because you're going to be faced with several different situations throughout the day now everybody's got their favorites um but you're going to be faced with a lot of different situations yeah you know brandon uh, a lot of the listeners are probably going to be you know somewhat probably new to ledge fishing if there's one thing you could tell somebody that's new to it whether it's graphing or if it's a rotation what's the one thing you can tell somebody that's new i know it's probably a tough question but what's the one thing you got i want to say this so catching the bass is the easy part finding them is the hard part don't be scared to spend a lot of time looking at your electronics. I run Lawrence Electronics because that's what I have confidence in. Use what you have confidence in and spend a lot of time looking and hunting because that's 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 the whole key. You know, you, you need to have options. Very rarely can you sit on one spot anymore on a ledge fishing tournament and, and win multi-day events. You know, I did a lot of my damage off of one spot, but that's because I got lucky and had it to myself. But don't be scared to spend a lot of time, whatever practice you have, if, if you know it's going to be a ledge dominated event, spend 75 or 80% of your time looking. Yeah. Great. That's a great answer. How do you tell when, when you see fish on your graph, like how, how are you so confident that you know they're bass? Like what are, what are some of the things that give that away? Yeah. You'll, you'll kind of learn what to look for. You can tell by the size of the dots, the way they set up, um, there's there's some telltale signs and it's all about screen time honestly i i wish i could put it into words i mean a a lot of times like carp and catfish and stuff they'll show up as a lot bigger size dot on your down imaging um you know and bass have a way of like stacking along the bottom almost like you you took a sharpie marker and just went tick 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 tick, and they'll be kind of lined up along the along the bottom most of the time uh, whereas crappie or a lot of times white bass as well are more stacked vertically in the water column. It, it's all about screen time, and that, that all goes back to spending your time looking at your screens. You know, I'm, a lot of people want shortcuts, shortcuts nowadays, but there's, there's, no, uh, uh, there's no way that you can learn that without just sitting behind those screens and just learning what's going on on the bottom of that river and those schools of fish. There's, there's no substitute for that. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I would say anything fishing-wise, dude, screen time is, like, one of the hardest things to do. Right. But once you do get it, 
it, it does make a lot of sense, but there's no shortcut to it. It seems to always pay off too. You it know, does. no matter what it is, like whether it's whether you're looking for fish or yep. mapping grass lines, mapping ditches, whatever, it may not pan out for you the next day or the next week, but like you're gonna go back on that and yep. there's a good chance if it's a big ditch or it's a big you know, Something. river ledge, yep. it's still gonna be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, so there's gonna be a time where it you know, things fall into place where it really yeah. really shakes out well. I feel like every show that I've been on, though, a lot of questions come in about, do you ever just turn them off? So why why is that? Why do people say, like, turn it off if it's not, like, if screen time's huge? You're saying turn it off as, as far as, like, for, like, a pressure situation? Yeah. Yeah, so, Brandon, you want to try to answer that one? Yeah, absolutely. So it, I, the whole forward-facing sonar movement in bass fishing, has obviously changed the game. Um, I've been using a Rance Active Target for going on two years now, and it definitely helped me win last week. But, you know, I had a win and a top 10 down in Florida earlier this year, and both of those events, I never turned on my Lorance Active Target. I just didn't, I didn't want it in my mind. There are one of the biggest things with all the advancements in electronics now, I think is knowing when to use it and, and when not to. You know, I mean, I love my Lowrance electronics and I love that active target, but there comes a time when I'm flipping reads, that's a visual thing. I want to use my eyes and my instincts. I don't want to be, and, and I don't want that thing pinging, pinging in two feet of water either. You know, so, uh, you know, just learn, learn how to use it in your style of fishing. Learn how to make it work for you, I think, is is the biggest thing. And listen, it took me a whole year before I really felt like I was using Active Target to uh, to advance my fishing to another level. Talking about your fishing and, and, and you fishing your style, are you fishing, Did you were you registered for all the Opens, all the Southerns? Yes, yes. So you so when you won that Open, you were already in the, in the Classic after that. How much yeah. does that like like how how much did that allow you to feel like okay now I can just fish how I want to fish on the elites? Are you still thinking about points? Like, where's your head at with that? Because qualifying for the classic is it's obviously a big goal for everybody every year. So like, you know, this year compared to years past, where you're still working to get towards the classic towards the end of the year. Like, how did how, how does it feel different? Yeah, it definitely felt a lot different at that first couple of events of the year because I, you know, at the beginning of every year, you're you're a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious. You're like, man, I need to get off to a good start. I mean, that Bassmaster Classic, that's what we live for, man. That's the biggest stage we got. So being there is is a big big deal. But I think winning that open and getting that knocked out first first part of the year, first tournament of the year, uh, really set the tone. For the for the rest of the year really just calmed me down and took a took a load off my mind you know not that i don't still want to catch them i didn't change change my fishing strategy any or my practicing strategy it's not like i'm swinging for the fences or anything crazy like that i just um i just feel like it put my mind in a at more ease and in a in a better place for sure i'm sure awesome. i did um yeah <laughs> how do you uh how do you feel about going to st lawrence you ready to get up there and get some cooler weather I am, dude. Gosh, I'm looking so forward to it. Honestly, with this break, we've got it. It's great to be home with the family. And, you know, we went to the beach last week. And it's great to spend time with them. And I doubt I'll do it. But I was thinking a couple of days ago, man, it would be a good time to take a trip up there somewhere <laughs> and just have some fun and just catch some, you know. 
Yeah, it's. I love catching those smallmouth. It's so much fun. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a it's a whole different world up there, man. Compared to you know going down in Tennessee or down in Florida, it's just a complete different world. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, Brandon. So I'm leaving on Sunday for a regional on St. Lawrence. I'm headed north. What do you got for me, man? What do I need to be doing? <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We got him. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> yep. Yeah, we got we you. We out there for a second. All right. So he you're going to the St. Lawrence next you. week. I'm going to the St. Lawrence next week, man. What 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 do I need to be looking for? Oh, let's see. What is it? Second week. Third week uh, man, I'd say there might still be some fish spawning. Good chance of it, I would think. I, I don't know what the weather's been. I hadn't looked at the weather up there, but, man, those fish, them smallmouth, a lot of them spawn. Uh, there's definitely going to still be some fish shallow. For sure. So I, you know, I'd be looking. Can you go to the lake, or you, or you can buy lakes off, man. Lakes off, no Canada. Yeah, well, I'd be, (laughs) I'd be, I'd be finding me some flats and uh, covering a lot of water, looking for isolated boulders and throwing a little hair fly around. That's probably what I would do. I like it. The old hair fly keeps coming up. Yep, yep, yep. It's magical. That's for sure. Well, dude, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on, you know, talking to us and, and breaking it down and giving us some really good tips. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That I was appreciate a, you guys. A lot of good, them. juicy stuff in there. Yeah. So, Brandon Lester, guys. <laughs> yes, sir. The you, champ. Buddy. Pickwick. Thank you, guys. Master Elite. Sure. All right. That was some good stuff, Riz. It was, man. It sure was. Uh, there's We're seeing some things here, Greg. We're hearing some things that, like, they're coming up repetitively and shows certain certain things about how to get them fired up certain baits it's cool when you see that because it like kind of you know affirms some trends it's not just a blip on the radar it's not random like it it makes things real that 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 white bass thing is oh that's that's pretty sick i've I've only literally heard probably two other guys in my career ever talk about that yeah you know and he he did an interview i think with Bassmaster, and he said it and i was like well now i gotta bring it up so right right yeah it's pretty key i mean a lot of the stuff is like we talked about Dude, pressure nowadays is is tremendous. So you right. got to have stuff that's going to set you apart a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. But so the uh, the other thing that we were going to dive into a little bit today is uh is tournament cancellations. Yeah. Are we are we going to do what are we doing for the giveaway? We got a question for it or something too. Yeah, we're going to do a we're going to do a trivia for that. We okay. got a uh, we got a trivia that we can go with. It's going to be based on today's show. Um, and we are still doing a like and share, guys. So. Uh, if you're watching over there on Facebook, um, be sure to like and share today's show. Uh, you're going to be entered in for a chance to win a six-month Bass University TV subscription. And, uh, guys, it's a great time to get signed up also. We've got the Frog Days of Summer promotion going on right now. That's some uh, Terminator Frogs, uh, Camo, Bass University official hat. And uh, you get a year's worth of Bass TV all in one shot. It's, uh, it's a really, really great time to get signed up. So. Um, we are going to be doing a grand prize uh, here just very shortly. Um, but before we get to that, I need to get the opinions of our listeners. I want your opinion. I just want to I want to air this out. I, I, I need to run down. How was the weather? Like, I didn't, I didn't know none of this. I okay. just saw your story. All right. So I'm not going to I'm not going to single anybody out or any <laughs> any group out because this has been going on in fishing now at all levels and it's seeming to happen more and the 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 thing i want to bring up is canceling events due to weather before the event 
And what I mean by that is canceling events days, multiple days ahead of the events because of projected weather patterns, right? And as fishermen, one of the things that we know is that the weather, it seems like it's constantly changing. Whatever the weatherman calls for, it's usually not always right. Yep. It changes right? like every hour. It changes by it changes by the hour, okay? And here's where here's where my frustrations lie. At a lot of levels of fishing, most anglers don't have the opportunity to fish five days a week, to fish multiple days a week. They get one day a week to fish, okay? Yep, yep. So when these guys schedule tournaments and your weekend anglers, they block out time to do these things. They block out time away from their family. Sometimes they block out time away from work. They sacrifice um, doing things with their kids on the weekends to fish these tournaments because they love what they're doing, right? When you start taking those away beforehand because of potential weather events, you're you're impacting much more than just your 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 tournament organization or whatever. You're 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 changing the plans of of all these guys that fish that fish these tournaments. And especially when on multiple occasions the weather ends up not doing what it's supposed to do. Okay. And so we had an event on the upper bay canceled this past weekend. Um, and the weather ended up being fine. It ended up, we had about a 15 minute rainstorm. There was no thunder. There was no lightning. It was a flat out awesome fishing day when it comes down to it. And, uh, it's happening more and more. It's happening at higher levels. Like what I want to know is what's going on. Where do we draw the line? At what point do we have to be responsible for ourselves as anglers, be responsible boaters, Nobody says you got to run far away from the ramp. Yep. Nobody says you got to run 20 miles down the lake to somewhere where you can't find any protection. There's always places to fish where you can keep yourself out of harm's way. Yep. So, like, why are we canceling tournaments days before events, Greg? That's that's what I want to know. I want your take on it. What do you think's going on with that? Man, it's a tough thing to answer because, you know, at the end of the day, whoever's running that tournament is liable. Yes. That's, that's the main thing. Um but to cancel it a couple of days ahead of time, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I do. I, I would say the night before or morning of should be the call. Morning of. Yes. Right. And, and, and I'm, I'm with that 100%. I fished plenty of tournaments over the years where you get there in the morning and it's it's good. And they run the tournament. I've been there before. You get there in the morning and they cancel the event as they should have. Right. You know, there's been a lot of times years back when the Bassmaster opens and I'd fish Lake Erie and they'd lock us all in Sandusky Bay. Right. You know, they'd still let us fish, but you're locked in this little area. Right. Which is kind of a crapshoot and kind of sucks a little bit, but you still fished. Right. You know, dude, it, it's a tough one. Um, and here's where, and and I'm, I don't, and guys watching the show, I'm not trying to get on the soapbox too much with this. I'm just, I'm voicing my my feelings on a topic that I think goes beyond fishing, right? We're losing in society, we're losing account, personal accountability, right? Like, y- you start, like, the decisions start getting made for everybody, and you stop having the ability to make the decisions yourself and be accountable for your own actions, yep. right? And, yep. like, that goes back to what I'm saying. Like, if you think the weather's going to be bad or it's projected to blow 20 out of the south, don't run 40 miles down the lake, yep. right? You can fish a lot closer than that. Don't put yourself in harm's way, right? So it's just like, you know, where are we going to draw the line? How many things, like how far are we just going to keep drawing back and drawing back and drawing back on on these, you know, safety precautions, which I understand. I get it. But 
at some point we're anglers. Let us fish. It's part part of fishing is the weather. Part of fishing is dealing with those things and still coming out on top successful, dealing with the elements. So, yep. you know. yeah, I, I think you know I'm going to answer this like I don't I don't want to make anybody mad, but if you're a tournament director and you're worried about people driving from a distance, you shouldn't be worrying about that because let's say somebody's come from two hours away, that's their discrepancy. If they get there and they cancel it. Oh well, I'm sorry. There's no other way around it. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So uh, yeah, I, I, especially for a local event, I can definitely say the morning of, without a doubt, for a one day event, right, is a hundred percent the answer. Right. Now, when it comes to maybe a two or three day event, and you can really, let's say you cancel the first day and you have two more days of fish, mm-hmm. you know, different story. I, I would kind of agree with Riz. I think. I would say late the night before or the day of should be the cancellation right. if if there was to be one. Right. That's it, the safest way. Yeah. You know, it, it and it's believe me, in everything I said, I see it from both sides. I'm sure. And I'm not and and the directors that have to make these calls, I wouldn't want to be in that position. I'll admit that. I don't want to have to make that call. But as an angler, as yep. somebody who is contributing to the the, the bottom line of the sport. It is frustrating when you feel like opportunities to fish are being taken away from you. Like, you know, we had that day planned as a as a fishing day, right? I agree. Could have had could have been doing anything else. Could have been with family. Could have been with my dog. Could have could have booked a guide trip. Could have stayed on those fish Saturday afternoon yep. with uh, with a friend of mine who doesn't get to fish much, who very potentially could have caught the biggest fish of his life in that afternoon. And I said. Look, man, I'm sorry. We got to go because I don't want to sting all these fish because I want to fish them tomorrow. Yep. Only to find out that getting off the water that the tournament had been canceled hours before that. Hours before that. And, it, you know, it, it's just so those are my frustrations. I don't know <laughs> if anybody is, is listening or even pays attention to this, but uh, I, I think some revisions got to gotta get made. and We got we to, gotta, you know, voice this a little bit that. It, you can only cancel so many times before people are eventually are just going to stop showing up. Yeah. You know, so. Everyone's saying that you should start your own trail. Oh, <laughs> guys, listen to me. I'm going to say this, and this is this is true. Tournament directors, I greatly, greatly appreciate what you do, yeah. okay? Because it's not an easy job. It's not. It's not, right? And and one of the things that, you know, has always been a thing in our sport, in, in Bassmaster and MLF and everything, the angler's got to have some kind of a voice, right? So, I'm just simply voicing frustrations from the many's, not just myself, um, but tournament directors. I do greatly appreciate what you guys do. Your job is not easy, so thank you for that. So, I do agree with you, though. I feel like sometimes the liability is an issue, but from what everyone's saying on the message board, is is liability come into question when you sign your waiver? Well, I mean, not all not all tournaments have a waiver yeah, as well. Like for the foundation, you guys we have do. a waiver, right? We, yeah. we have liability and waiver. Yeah. We cover everything. Well, that's 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 the way around it. I mean, if you're one of the organizations, you know, have a waiver. I don't know how good a waiver can actually do, but yeah. ha- have a waiver. And, you know, from there, it's it, like like Riz says, you know, you're the boater. You're, you're driving right. the boat. You know, you're making the calls. Right. So you make a bad call, it's on you. Exactly. You know? You know? It, it uh, that, that that's where, that that's what gets me is when the, we're starting to lose accountability for our own actions, Yep. you know? And like I said, this is, this is a fishing show. We're blessed in what we get to do. Yeah. Uh, but, but there is a little bit deeper, uh, there's a little bit deeper drive behind that of the, everybody needs to, you know, be accountable for the things they do and not just push it off on somebody else. So, 
But anyway, that <laughs> that's my <laughs> rant. That's my rant. That's that's me on my soapbox there. Um, but anyway, yeah, Lester was great. That was a that was a that was a great segment from him. We learned a lot about Tennessee River uh, ledge fishing there. He uh, dude, he's. He's really good yeah. I mean, as far as fishing goes. I mean, if you look back in his history, he's ever since the beginning. Everybody comes into the Elite Series or whatever they're fishing. Yeah, they got some ups and downs, but he's, right. he's pretty solid, dude. Yep. You know, Steady Eddie. Exactly. That's, that's what you got to be in this uh, in this field. So we do have a trivia question. Uh, I can get that queued up. Um, that's going to be for our grand prize, and we'll we'll get a uh, Facebook like and share winner picked out there as well. Um, the trivia question is: What weight? was Brandon Lester using in his Nico weight on the recent Bassmaster Elite Series tournament. What was Brandon Lester's weight in his Nico worm on the recent Bassmaster Elite Series event on Pickwick? She's probably already got it. <laughs> Not yet. Wow, that's amazing. Well, there's probably a little bit of a delay there. This is a hell of a giveaway too, man. Yeah, and also I don't know the answer, so I have to wait for him. We got a winner. <laughs> we 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 got a winner. Our guys didn't our guys didn't waste any time, and this is a big prize too. The uh, let me just double check. First correct answer to come in with one eighth, eighth of an ounce in that Nico worm is uh, Stevie Hanna. Congratulations, right. Stevie Hanna. There you go. Just won yourself a TH Marine uh, light kit, Speed and uh, Josh, we can uh, get his info there, and that'll that'll get out there in the in the mail. Um, in the meantime, we'll get a uh, Facebook like and share picked out here as well greg what's next for you where are you headed uh i got the uh, Bassmaster open on oneida lake okay okay yeah when is that uh it's gonna be the week after july 4th so what six or seventh whatever it is that thursday oh okay yep good deal yep i'm sure you're ready to get up uh get up north as well i am man i just want to catch some smallmouth to be honest with you they're just so much different than largemouth so much i don't want to say better but funner yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think you're going to do mostly smallmouth fishing on Oneida, or nah? It's going to be both. I'll tell you about Oneida though. I think Oneida is kind of different, man. It's it's a different largemouth fishery and it's a different smallmouth fishery. I almost feel like them fishing there, whether they're green or brown, they all act the same. As weird as that is, right? And they I've just kind of swim in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool place though. Very cool. Very cool. Um, our Facebook like and share winner for today's show is I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt. To announce his name correctly <laughs> is David Verzuela. David Verzuela from Arizona. Congratulations. Oh, today's Bash You Live like and share winner. That's a six-month gift card to Bash You TV. Over a thousand videos on there, Greg, including a couple from you. I watched one of your seminars the other night. Uh your muddy water seminar. Ooh. Which is a good one. It is a good one. There's some there's some muddy water summertime stuff in there that yeah that's that has saved my butt a lot of times yep because you know you don't get as much rain in the summer but you do have them times when it does rain and it's torrential right and it can kind of like you know set you apart how to catch them happens quick happens quick the rain comes in it gets muddy changes things but guess yep. what you got to know how to adapt yep. so yep good to go yeah 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 we're good. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, I think that was a great show, personally. Um, I want to say thanks to Riz and Jocelyn, as always. You guys doing your job. Yeah, thanks good. To you. Good <laughs> job to you too, man. Thanks. In the in the host seat there, asking the question, asking the questions, driving the wheels. Yeah. So we'll be back, I think, next Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. I'm not sure if it's announced who we have yet. But Salzy. Okay. So we Ryan Salzman. Ryan Salzman. So if you guys saw that, the Watts Bar win, which was a huge win for that guy, like anybody else, it would be. But uh, he did it a pretty cool way. 
So maybe excited. Pete will tell us his secrets of his. He can't. I already know what it is. <laughs> he can't tell you. Oh, 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 the Sturgeon Bay. Yeah. Release secrets. Hummingbird's doing some stuff. Yep. Do you think you that'll be anything? released at iCast or after? There's a very high possibility of that. There's a lot that's coming out <laughs> at iCast. I know so. there is. I know. Yeah, so the fishing industry, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys for watching, and we will see you again next Tuesday.